Today is August 10th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am delighted that you're joining me on this journey of faith and discovery. Now, our passages today cover different genres and topics, but they all have something in common. They challenge us to think about how we relate to God and to others in both our faith and in our conduct. So rather than simply taking these stories today at face value, let's ask God to help us interpret and apply the meaning in these passages with wisdom and discernment in our daily experience. We know that biblical stories are not meant to be read in isolation, but rather in relation to each other and to the larger narrative of God's plan for us as his creation, as his people, as his children. The Bible is meant to be studied and discussed in community as we're doing here. So let's get into it and see what God wants from us and see what he has for us today. Ezra chapter 10, The Living Bible. As I lay on the ground in front of the temple, weeping and praying and making this confession, a large crowd of men, women, and children gathered around and cried with me. Then Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel of the clan of Elam, said to me, We acknowledge our sin against our God, for we have married these heathen women. But there is hope for Israel in spite of this, for we agree before our God to divorce our heathen wives and to send them away with our children. We will follow your commands and the commands of the others who fear our God. We will obey the laws of God. Take courage and tell us how to proceed in setting things straight, and we will fully cooperate." So I stood up and demanded that the leaders of the priests and the Levites and all the people of Israel swear that they would do as Shechaniah had said. And they all agreed. Then I went into the room of Jehohanan in the temple and refused all food and drink, for I was mourning because of the sin of the returned exiles. Then a proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem that everyone should appear at Jerusalem within three days, and that the leaders and elders had decided that anyone who refused to come would be disinherited and excommunicated from Israel. Within three days, on the fifth day of December, all the men of Judah and Benjamin had arrived and were sitting in the open space before the temple, and they were trembling because of the seriousness of the matter and because of the heavy rainfall. Then I, Ezra the priest, arose and addressed them. You have sinned, for you have married heathen women. Now we are even more deeply under God's condemnation than we were before. Confess your sin to the Lord God of your fathers and do what he demands. Separate yourselves from the heathen people about you and from these women. Then all the men spoke up and said, We will do what you have said. But this isn't something that can be done in a day or two, for there are many of us involved in this sinful affair, and it is raining so hard that we can't stay out here much longer. Let our leaders arrange trials for us. Everyone who has a heathen wife will come at the scheduled time with the elders and judges of his city. Then each case will be decided and the situation will be cleared up and the fierce wrath of our God will be turned away from us. Only Jonathan, son of Asahel, Jaziah, son of Tikvah, Meshullam, and Shabbatai the Levite opposed this course of action. 
So this was the plan that was followed. Some of the clan leaders and I were designated as judges. We began our work on December 15th and finished by March 15th. Following is the list of priests who had married heathen wives. They vowed to divorce their wives and acknowledged their guilt by offering rams as sacrifices. Maasiah, Eliezer, Jarib, Gedaliah. The sons of Emmer, Hanani, Zebediah. The sons of Harem, Maasiah, Elijah, Shemaiah, Jehiel, Uzziah. The sons of Pashur, Elioni, Maasiah, Ishmael, Nathanael, Josabad, Elasa. The Levites who were guilty, Josabad, Shimei, Keliah, also called Kalita, Pethahiah, Judah, Elizer. Of the singers, there was Eliashib. Of the gatekeepers, Shalom, Telem, and Yuri. Here's the list of ordinary citizens who were declared guilty. From the clan of Parash, Ramiah, Isaiah, Melchijah, Majamin, Eliezer, Hashabiah, Benaiah. From the clan of Elam, Mataniah, Zechariah, Jehiel, Abdi, Jeremoth, Elijah. From the clan of Zatu, Elioni, Eliashib, Mataniah, Jeremoth, Zabed, Aziza. From the clan of Bibai, Johahanan, Hananiah, Zabai, Athle. From the clan of Benai, Meshullam, Maluk, Adiah, Jeshub, Shial, Jeremoth. From the clan of Pehath Moab, Adna, Chalal, Benaiah, Measiah, Mataniah, Bezalel, Benui, Manasseh. From the clan of Harem, Elizer, Eshijah, Melchijah, Shemaiah, Shimeon, Benjamin, Maluk, Shemariah. From the clan of Hashem, Matani, Matata, Zabad, Elephalet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, Shimei. From the clan of Benai, Maadai, Amram, Uel, Benaiah, Bediah, Chaluhai, Benaiah, Miramoth, Eliashib, Mataniah, Matani, Jayasu, Benai, Benui, Shimei, Shelemiah, Nathan, Adiah, Machnabadai, Sheshai, Sherai, Azarel, Shelemiah, Shemariah, Shalom, Amariah, Joseph. From the clan of Nebo, Jael, Mattathiah, Zabad, Zabina, Jadai, Joel, Benaiah. Each of these men had heathen wives, and many had children by these wives. 1 Corinthians 6 How is it that when you have something against another Christian, you go to law and ask a heathen court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other Christians to decide which of you is right? Don't you know that someday we Christians are going to judge and govern the world? So why can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we Christians will judge and reward the very angels in heaven? So you should be able to decide your problems down here on earth easily enough. Why then go to outside judges who are not even Christians? I am trying to make you ashamed. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these arguments? But instead, one Christian sues another and accuses his Christian brother in front of unbelievers. To have such lawsuits at all is a real defeat for you as Christians. Why not just accept mistreatment and leave it at that? It would be far more honoring to the Lord to let yourselves be cheated. But instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong, cheating others, even your own brothers. 
Don't you know that those doing such things have no share in the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who live immoral lives, who are idol worshipers, adulterers, or homosexuals, will have no share in his kingdom. Neither will thieves or greedy people, drunkards, slanderers, or robbers. There was a time when some of you were just like that, but now your sins are washed away, and you are set apart for God, and he has accepted you because of what the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God have done for you. I can do anything I want to if Christ has not said no, but some of these things aren't good for me. Even if I am allowed to do them, I'll refuse to if I think they might get such a grip on me that I can't easily stop when I want to. For instance, take the matter of eating. God has given us an appetite for food and stomachs to digest it, but that doesn't mean we should eat more than we need. Don't think of eating as important because someday God will do away with both stomachs and food. But sexual sin is never right. Our bodies were not made for that before the Lord, and the Lord wants to fill our bodies with himself. And God is going to raise our bodies from the dead by his power, just as he raised up the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts and members of Christ? So should I take part of Christ and join him to a prostitute? Never. And don't you know that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, she becomes a part of him and he becomes a part of her? For God tells us in the scripture that in his sight, the two become one person. But if you give yourself to the Lord, you and Christ are joined together as one person. That is why I say to run from sex sin. No other sin affects the body as this one does. When you sin this sin, it is against your own body. Haven't you yet learned that your body is the home of the Holy Spirit God gave you and that he lives within you? Your own body does not belong to you, for God has bought you with a great price. So use every part of your body to give glory back to God because he owns it. Psalm 31 verses 9 through 18. O Lord, have mercy on me in my anguish. My eyes are red from weeping. My health is broken from sorrow. I am pining away with grief. My years are shortened, drained away because of sadness. My sins have sapped my strength. I stoop with sorrow and with shame. I am scorned by all my enemies and even more by my neighbors and friends. They dread meeting me and look the other way when I go by. I am forgotten like a dead man, like a broken and discarded pot. I heard the lies about me, the slanders of my enemies. Everywhere I looked, I was afraid, for they were plotting against my life. But I am trusting you, O Lord, I said. You alone are my God. My times are in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine again upon your servant. Save me just because you are so kind. Don't disgrace me, Lord, by not replying when I call to you for aid. But let the wicked be shamed by what they trust in. Let them lie silently in their graves, their lying lips quieted at last last, the lips of these arrogant men who are accusing honest men of evil deeds. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 3. God is more pleased when we are just and fair than when we give him gifts.
Okay, so let's briefly talk about what we read in Ezra today. The passage we covered describes the final resolution of the problem of intermarriage between the returned exiles and the pagan peoples of the land. Remember, this is what got them in trouble in the first place. Them intermarrying and mingling with all of these people from these other cultures who had false idols that they chose to worship. Now, the translation that we're reading this week is the Living Bible, and the Living Bible calls them heathens, which gave me a little chuckle because of how we use the word heathen colloquially in Black culture. But basically, it just means foreign. So Ezra had prayed and confessed the sin of the people in the previous chapter, and his prayer had moved many of the people to repentance. In this chapter, Shechaniah proposes to Ezra that the people should make a covenant with God to put away their foreign wives and children according to the law of Moses. Ezra agrees and summons all the people to Jerusalem where they confess their sin and pledge to separate themselves from their pagan spouses. Now, the rest of the chapter lists the names of those who had married foreign women and agreed to divorce them. So what is this story really about for us? There's a conflict here between two modes of being, one that is oriented towards order and purity and godliness and one that is oriented towards chaos and miscellany and ungodliness. The people of Israel were trying to reestablish their identity and covenant with God by separating themselves from the foreign influences that had threatened to corrupt them. They were now trying to create order out of the chaos that they had so carelessly and willfully recreated by now returning to the law of Moses, which was their original guide. But this story is not just about order and purity. It is also about the psychological and social costs of their decisions. I mean, think about the pain of divorce and the loss of children that they would now experience as a result of these choices that they made to intermarry. The people had to sacrifice their personal attachments and affections for the sake of their collective loyalty and obedience. They had to renounce their diversity and individuality for the sake of their tradition and identity. They had to endure hardship and suffering for the sake of their holiness and salvation. This story is not unique or isolated. It echoes other stories in the Bible that deal with similar themes of separation and sacrifice, such as Abraham's near sacrifice of Isaac or Jesus's rejection of his family when he says, who are my brothers and who is my mother? These stories teach us about the value and limits of loyalty, tradition, and boundaries. They teach us that sometimes we have to choose between competing goods or values, between what we want and what God wants, between what is easy and what is right. They teach us that sometimes we have to pay a price for our faithfulness or obedience, and that sometimes we have to suffer for our redemption or sanctification. The truth is we are called to be holy and separate from the world as God's people. We are not to compromise our faith or identity with the values and practices of the culture that we live in when it's contrary to what we've been called to. 
These stories also teach us that we should repent of our sins and seek God's forgiveness and restoration when we fail to obey him. And we should follow God's will, even when it is difficult or costly. But we should also learn here that we have consequences for our choices. And those consequences transcend our own lives. Those consequences extend to the people who we are connected to. When we make bad decisions, those closest to us feel the effects in one way or another. We also can't escape the fact that we live in a secular culture, but we can learn how to prioritize our loyalty to God while still exercising love for our neighbors. And so, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the lessons that we are learning from the story of Ezra and for the reminder that we are called to be holy and separate from the world. Lord, help us to prioritize our loyalty and obedience to you above all else, even when it's difficult or costly, and to seek your forgiveness and restoration when we fail to obey you, Lord, but also help us to be aware of the consequences of our choices to think before we act, because there are consequences both for ourselves and for those around us. And Lord, help us to exercise love for our neighbors, even in the midst of being separate from them. Lord, please guide us in our choices and decisions and actions as we strive to follow your will. Help us to discern what is right and to have the courage to make the hard choices that reflect our faith and our identity as your people. Lord, we thank you for your constant love and your grace and for your faithfulness to us, even when we are unfaithful to you. And Lord, we want our lives to reflect your love and your goodness and our lives to be a witness and a light to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray and all the people of God said together, amen. And our affirmation for today, I am full of energy and vitality and my mind is calm and peaceful. I am full of energy and vitality and my mind is calm and peaceful. And our aphorism, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this extraordinary odyssey with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.